0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spooked. The Scary Story Improvised Podcast. I'm Damian Depping. I'm Cody Craig, And we're in the throes of January. Oh, so frozen in fridge. Actually, it's... It's raining outside. It's yeah. six degrees.
2: Yeah, it's been a constant, Celsius. It's been, this is the weather portion of the show. Yeah, uh, this is where we get you an update on what's raining. going
0: on. We had our New Year's. We thought things were going to be better, but now it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Hey, Damien, I got you something go to run by you here. Okay. uh, Something
2: terrible has been happening to me at night. Oh, something downright dastardly. <laughs> is that I... the night shits? <laughs> <laughs> worse. Even worse? Yeah, even worse than that. I-, I can't think of things
0: much worse than that.
2: Well, uh... <laughs> This is going to shock you. then. OK, and you'll have to give your input whether you mm-hmm. think this is a ghost or not.
0: Oh, OK.
2: So basically, when I you think a ghost is shitting your bed every night, <laughs> can't be me. It can't be you. Uh, when I go to sleep, mm-hmm. I wake up and my bed is pushed away from the wall and all of my pillows are in between my mattress and the wall okay. down on the ground.
0: Yeah. Ghost or what? I just think you're a sloppy spinning sleeping boy. <laughs> I feel like just like crocodile death rolling your pillows <laughs> into the edge, and then just like pushing against the wall. You're having some wild dreams. I think. I think you might need to see like a dream therapist or something. Do they have those? Um,
2: I hope not. You know, you hope not. No, they probably do. <laughs> uh yeah i guess if uh i guess i better check if my wheels can lock
0: oh so you have wheels on your bed frame yeah and you don't know if they can lock well like maybe you can check for so I, I feel like any movement is going to make your bed shift so if you're already throwing your pillows off the side that's just going to like they're not going you, right? off the side they're going between between yeah which is off the side of the bed between the bed and the wall right no the front The front.
2: They're slipping from under my head. Oh, they're going
0: between the pillow. Okay, well, that's even more likely to just... They're just falling down in there then. you see, you don't think it's a ghost? I don't think it's a ghost. I'm going to... Listen, I'm going to say this with confidence. I am going to say that it is 95% not a ghost. And that extra 5%, okay? It's not for the pillows. It's not for the wheels. It's just uh, for putting that doubt in you. Well, Damien,
2: it's not all about you today and your fucking theories. Oh, man. Okay, (laughs) all right. It's about our guest here because we have author, podcaster, comedy writer. We got Mike Sachs
1: here. Oh, sugar. Oh, dang. (laughs) I want to hear about this bed with wheel. What is this? A hospital bed? What's going on in your house? Yeah, he sleeps I'm on a, a... gurney.
0: Uh, you got a really good deal out of it. See, listen, in Ontario, we're just, we're cutting all the the hospital funding, so you get bargain basement prices on them right now.
1: Do you want wheels on your on your bed? I mean, it's not very romantic, right, to mm. have wheels on your bed.
2: Well, I also have the the TV that stretches out like an arm in front of it too.
1: <laughs> God, how about a nurse that uh, gives you an enema every hour?
0: Every hour, That'd be well, that works
1: for me.
2: <laughs> well, uh, Mike, it's so uh, great to have you on here. Yeah, um, so
1: I, much for coming. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, a uh, a, a legendary uh, a comedy writer working with uh, the New Yorker, uh, Vanity Fair, now mm-hmm. and uh, ten books, three yep. audio books.
1: Yes, amazing. Actually i think i i've lost Whoa. count the first two were with audible yep. Mm-hmm. and then yeah i did two more self-produced uh one of which was with rob producing it was called passing on the right it was a fake memoir from a horrible conservative who gets into comedy and i was i play that horrible conservative and that is available on amazon so i guess there are now four audiobooks wow
2: wow and the and the other ones being uh, Passable in Pink, uh, Randy, the full and complete audio memoir of the amazing life and times of Randy S and Stinker Let's Loose. Yes. And the cast of these things is amazing, too. Like Well, um,
1: yeah, the first two were because it was through Audible. I yeah. can't really take much credit for that. Um, when I put out the book Stinker Let's Loose, um, someone I knew named Eric Martin, uh, who was in and uh, he's a narrator and works within podcasting and other audio projects, got in touch and said, can I take the rice to this? And it had just come out and it wasn't really selling. I mean, it was just a self-produced book. And I said, yeah, of course you can take it. And literally two weeks later, he had audible signed on and John Hamm signed on for the lead. Uh, Male Ray Seahorn from Better Call Saul was the female and then Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, Philip Baker wow. Hall from Boogie Nice*. So mm-hmm. that was really, I have to say, not through any genius on my part, marketing or um, quality writing. That was just mm-hmm. audible. And that was really kind of the beginning. This is like five years ago. I, that was one of the first um, instances of these bigger actors wanting to take on something for fun and being willing yeah. to pay less than they would otherwise. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, I I I think it does speak to the writing too for these people oh, wanting sure. to be involved yeah. and everything like that. Like, um, Philip Baker Hall too. I just rewatched uh, like two nights ago the Seinfeld finale too, and yes, was a, right. a, a very great like uh, stint in that show
1: too. Funny, funny guy. <laughs> I mean, so great, such a great actor. I mean, unfortunately, when we when we had him, he was ill and he was using an oxygen tank, but it worked really? for the character. Yeah. He had terrible emphysema, but he's just so good. He made it work. The character. Mm -hmm. Incredible.
2: Uh, So for you um, growing up, when was it that you decided uh, kind of comedy writing? Was that always a thing in your mind? Uh,
1: I wanted to be a few things and um, I wanted to be people think this is a joke. It is not. I wanted to become a brain surgeon. I had that Mm -hmm. uh, dream and I wanted to be a pilot and join the Air Force and i was a terrible student and i got <laughs> uh terribly sick when i mm-hmm. twisted my head so both of those occupations were out so i then i fell in love uh with comedy and the, really the first show that i fell in love with was letterman mm-hmm. uh specifically late night with chris elliott and all those great characters that was my first love so my dream then became to write for tv to write for letterman and by the time i reached that age it no longer existed So I went and did what I only knew how to do. I didn't know anyone in the business. So I just started writing for print, which you can do on your own. You don't need a camera or money Mm -hmm. or producers at that point. So it was just basically writing for crack magazine right out of college and mad magazine. And then later other magazines. And that's really what I prefer now. I mean, I got into it to write for TV, but now this is what I prefer as well as just audio um podcasting and that sort of thing the control is mine i don't get paid as much mm-hmm. but there's, there's full control and i just i enjoy that
0: that's amazing And now, things for like mad and cracked were you writing for the physical publication or like yeah the, the actual
1: this is pre-internet i mean this okay. is right after college yeah. so it was yeah. uh crack magazine and i was writing for them first and then i started pitching a mad magazine because they mm-hmm. paid more but they had an intern whose only job it was, was to go through crack magazine and look at bylines. And they had, they went through and found my byline, excuse me. And they called me up and they said, all right, a couple of things. Um, we can't tell you not to write for, for cracked, but we hate cracked, but we won't pay you as much. We won't invite you on the um, mad magazine vacations. Like I guess all the, the writers and artists would go on group vacations mm-hmm. And um, you cannot use your real name if you continue to write for oh. cracks. And I thought, fuck that, because I needed money and mm-hmm. I wanted to continue writing for cracks. So I ended up publishing under a pseudonym for Mad Magazine, and that pseudonym is J. Michael Shade. So if you have old Mad Magazines, I am that J. Michael Shade.
0: I, uh, I actually might have a few. <laughs> Copies of Mad Magazine from around when you were writing those. I uh, I have a box full of a, like a, a good three or four years worth of them. Yeah, that, well, one uh, I remember I it was through.
1: was illustrated by the great Drew Friedman, and mm-hmm. uh, that was mid nineties I think. And the premise was, if you can find it, the, it was an intern for the mafia. So he was working a summer for the mafia, <laughs> and was working for credits. So that that was the uh, that was the premise on that one
2: so uh your uh writing kind of turned into also a lot of like interviewing as well and interviewing comedy writers your first two books i believe the first two books are comedy uh <laughs> interviews and also your podcast is a big portion of that as well uh, for the listeners that might not know as well as uh sketches that are amazing too i was uh, listening today the hostage negotiator <laughs> uh, thank you <laughs> Uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, and so was uh, comedy interviewing was uh, that kind of because I know that when we started this podcast, we started doing these kind of interviews and improvising yeah. because we were uh, new to the city and wanted to bring people oh, in and wanted to learn off the best. A lot of uh, people in the industry and, yeah. and
1: what we're doing here.
2: Was that kind of the same idea with your uh, writing or yeah. interviewing?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, that was exactly what it was. I never got in. I never took a journalism course. Didn't know from journalism, really. I just wanted to be a comedy writer. But I sort of got into it backwards. I ended up working as an editor at the Washington Post and then at Vanity Fair, moving up to New York. But when I first started interviewing people, it was only sort of a selfish reason. And that was to meet uh, people whose work I liked. And to pick their brains onto how they became successful, what worked hmm. for them, and what didn't work. And I had this idea for a book, uh, for a book of interviews with comedy writers, which I had never really seen. I se- I had seen growing up books with interviews with SNL writers, your show of shows, Mash writers, that sort of Johnny Carson writers, but never really like um, Mr. Show or any of these shows, Freaks and Geeks shows that I truly loved. And I started pitching and it, and it I could not sell it for the life of me it took it was 20 over 20 rejections from publishers and it was only because i had a friend who worked john warner who worked at uh writer's digest books in ohio a smaller publisher that the first book and here's the kicker was published so at that point it was this is also before podcasting and this is before onion av club It was before a lot of uh, analysis of comedy and interviews with comedy people was just years before that. Um, and it, so people, I think p- people being editors, they didn't really know from that. And it was also easier for me because of that to get access to certain people. So I started reaching out to to writers, comedy writers, whose work I really like. And I was really lucky because I connected with quite a few who passed away not long after I spoke with them. Some of them were quite old in their 90s irv brecker who wrote for the marx brothers peg lynch Uh who created one of the first uh, radio sitcoms in the 40s very much similar to seinfeld larry Gelbart who wrote tootsie and created mash and wrote for bob hope and also harold Ramos, who wasn't that old who passed away so it really was a bridge to another time that disappeared and i just i feel fortunate that i got to be able to speak to these people
2: what um do you have an interview uh, that stands out the uh the most uh for you over all of these years of doing this um that just really holds a special moment for you
1: yeah i can remember exactly what it is and it's i was trying to find a comedy writer for radio so this was 15 years ago and it was towards the end you know these these writers, if they were still alive, would have been quite old. Yeah. And I reached out to a person who runs ran a fanzine on radio comedy, and I asked him, "Are there any radio comedy writers from the 30s and 40s, maybe even early 50s, who are still alive?" And he said, "I can't think of any, but I'll send you a list of names who could be." And there was a list of about ten to fifteen names. I went down the names. Uh, contacted them or or researched them, and they had all passed away, except for one. Her name was Margaret Lynch, Peg Lynch, and she was 96 years old. And I ended up calling the uh, town council member of her town. I said, I know this is a strange call. I'm trying to reach a Margaret Lynch. I can't find her on Google or on Nexus or any search program. Do You happen to know a Margaret Lynch? And she says, oh, yeah, everyone knows Peg Lynch. I can give you her number. So I called her and we just immediately hit it off. I mean, for someone calling out of the blue cold calling, um, she didn't know who I was, but we ended up talking for about an hour the first time and a couple hours the next time. And the story she told was just astonishing. One story she told was she was just a kid. Her mom worked as a nurse at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So as a 13, 14 year old, she took it upon herself to interview celebrities coming through the Mayo Clinic. Who were being diagnosed Whoa. with various health issues the first person she asked and the first person she ended up interviewing was lou gehrig as the week he was being uh diagnosed with als okay. and being the great guy he was he said yes i will do that interview now the interview is lost yeah but just the fact that this 13 14 year old would have the gumption to do that i thought was astonishing yeah. she was also sort of an unknown figure um she produced like 20,000 scripts, radio scripts. Um, And the comedy is based off of everyday life, very much like Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. So she was really ahead of her time, super sharp. Unfortunately, she did pass away about a year and a half after I interviewed her at 98. But for me, it was like finding, you know, a needle in a haystack. It was totally out of the blue. Most of the times when I would reach out to various people, you know, especially of a certain age, they would have unfortunately passed, but, It was such a bridge to another time. And I think she was so pleased that I was reaching out to her because she had been waiting for years for someone to reach out to her. And to be honest, I didn't know how important she was to comedy. It was just I wanted to talk to someone from that era. But the more research I did, the more I found out how brilliant she was. And uh, that to me, we, we became friendly. And that to me is the most special interview.
0: It's it's amazing how something like that uh, just so easily could have been just lost to time to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, you yeah. wouldn't have got those stories. They might not have been shared in the way that they have been. And uh, well, so it's a lesson history there. Right? It's a
1: lesson for all writers. I mean, your time comes and it goes. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't really concerned about her legacy as much as just producing scripts. Yeah. The show was called Ethel and Albert It starred. It was started on radio, became television. And I think, it's funny what is remembered and known more than other things. there are certain shows that everyone knows of early radio and TV, but you're right. it's a ton of material, a ton of shows that is just lost to history, which is sort of heartbreaking
0: uh, yeah
2: um, yeah, there was um I was listening to your podcast too and I I love uh your interview style by the way, and just um, how much knowledge comes from uh listening to your interviews and uh these conversations and I, I I think it's almost more of a conversation style in a lot of ways too I like uh I was listening to uh the Paul Feig episode of uh doing it with Mike Sachs uh which I suggest everyone uh, listening to this to go and listen to that uh but yeah i and i i loved uh i loved hearing this and i'm a big uh fan of uh, paul Feig too and just uh yeah me too like absolute like inspiration and everything and like just hearing the two of you uh go back and forth and like just being a writer myself just f- feeling out both those things and like taking tips i was like, writing stuff down and everything like that too um, one of the things I did notice on there though, or heard is uh your love for rush. Are you a big oh, fan huge. of <laughs> Huge, huge, huge. Okay. I've
1: seen rush more than any other band. Yeah. I've seen them seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Uh Neil Peart was a huge influence on me growing up. I mean, the entirety of rush mm-hmm. uh, the music meant so much to me. Uh, I just, I find them brilliant. I find them to be very decent guys. Mm-hmm. Um, And the music just meant a lot to me. And that's one of the things I liked about Freaks and Geeks. The kids, it was never ironically that they they weren't liking Rush in an ironic sense. They genuinely loved Rush. And when you're a kid, 12, 13, 14-year-old boy, and you're dealing with a drummer like that. I used to play the drums. And he has a 25-piece set with 20 cymbals. I mean, it doesn't get any better. And we were obsessed with, I mean, we we would memorize his drum solos and try to reproduce them, you know, in our horrible fashion, but they were almost like songs for us. They were like melodies for us. Um, so that band uh, truthfully meant a lot to me, a lot growing up.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big rush fan as well. I've seen them twice. Have you ever seen Rush? Yeah, I have.
2: And Here's the biggest thing to, uh, speak to how uh Canada treats uh Canadians in this entertainment industry is that when I saw Rush in Ottawa, Ontario, they were opening for Santana. Which what year was this? <laughs> it was in Ottawa. No, what year? But, oh what year? Uh oh uh what year would it have been it was two thousand what and six I wanna I didn't say. think they opened six
1: since the mid seventies why were they opening wow. for anyone?
2: I don't know. I was confused, and everybody was
0: confused. Wow. I think.
1: that's madness,
0: boy! I've not heard of that. Yeah, was that for like Blues Fest or something? Yeah, yeah. So it, it could have been a scheduling thing. Maybe they, maybe they just wanted to do an earlier show and get out of there exactly. Or and like they're that. so
1: nice; they wouldn't have
0: put their foot down and said, "We're not doing no. it." Which I could totally see them do. Yeah, but that's yeah. still so wild. That's I like crazy. I like Santana, but they ain't rush no that, but i i think
2: it, it overall like uh speaks to a big thing of like how uh canada thinks of it i i think that there's a lot more respect for uh canadians in like comedy and everything like that in america than there is like how our entertainment industry kind that
1: of is interesting it's like country american country or bluegrass is huge yeah. in europe and japan and it's not so big down here
2: wow yeah but you
1: have sometimes have to be an outsider to really appreciate yeah. Uh, what but i thought the i thought rush were beloved up in canada
0: was i wrong about that they definitely are like yeah i, I feel like we have a. oh for sure yeah i think they there's a there's a really strong love for them it's in a, like a lot of other media too like there's like a lot of crossover with like trailer park boys and things like mm-hmm. that like yeah. and then the bob and doug uh, christmas special too the getty Lee, all yeah. that stuff so like there's a lot of crossover with it but I think it's one of those things with, like, Canadiana and, like, big Canadian artists and musicians. There's a love for them, but it's it's not quite to the same level that you will get in the States. And there's a mm-hmm. little more of that kind of – I don't want to say disrespect, but it's it's a little more low-key, maybe.
2: I guess it's it, it's, like, overall with things. It's like if you had – uh, like rush there, then um, the overall reaction is, but this person's American. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well,
1: I am interviewing and I'm doing research now on Elton John. He has a documentary coming oh, wow. out. No. And what I found fascinating in doing research was that America really broke him. He wasn't popular in Britain. It was really America in the seventies, especially that really, fell in love with him and made him what he is, which really surprised me. I thought he was huge in Britain and then came over here, but
0: he was not well known over there.
2: So so interesting. It's so interesting how that uh, kind of shapes out, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's I mean, even going back to like most Canadian artists who really break out, you have to go to the States to break out too, right? Like that's just that's just kind of the way. Still, yes. Still. Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm surprised because what I love about comedy now is you don't have to be a Harvard graduate, Harvard mm-hmm. Lampooner. You can be from anywhere. You can be oh. a girl from Iowa. You can be anything and anywhere, which around the world, which is, I think is fantastic for comedy.
0: Totally. I completely agree. But I, I still think like we see so many people like they do what they can here and then their next step is to either go to New York or L.A. And that's just kind of how most of the people we, we know have been kind of doing yeah. that.
1: Well, but, I see that too i mean i live in new york and most people have headed out to la these past few years yeah but i think that's specifically if you want to get into television i mean one of the advantages of doing what i do is i could be anywhere yeah uh and uh quite frankly i think i would live in toronto if i could i love it up there
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i it's amazing like the comedy scene here is incredible too uh I, th- I think it's just the overall like media as far as like television and everything like that kind of opportunity. Yeah. Like I, I've been lucky enough to like be on an American show comedy show that films uh, here in like Montreal or, or whatever, but th- that kind of opportunity doesn't come around very often, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then uh,
0: there's a lot of very capable people too, who are kind of like part of that pool. Right. So mm-hmm. the opportunities are a little less, but there's a lot of people who are ready for them. Yeah.
1: And it's also hard getting a work visa, right? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, But it, it's kind of the thing that once uh, a comedian hits a certain level here, then and they do like the JFL, they do the new faces stuff, then they have to go.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I speaking of Canadian humor, I am not really into sitcoms per se, but my daughter, who is 13, loves them and she was obsessed with Shit's Creek and I had yeah, never seen yeah. it before. So she, we went through it together last year and I was blown away. The acting and the writing, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the setting was just gorgeous. So I, it was one of my favorite shows of the past few years. I thought yeah. they did an amazing job with that.
0: Well, I mean, just having uh, like Eugene uh, Levy. Chris Elliott. Yeah, yeah, Chris Elliott. Oh Elliot, my God, Calvin I mean Mander, that cast, Catherine O'Hara. Like, yeah. It's amazing. Phenomenal. And that's amazing. A, a, like Canadian comedy royalty there, you know, going back like SCTV and all that yeah. stuff too. Like oh, it's
1: just the best. I mean, that it's SCTV, so you know, that's one of the things I learned too, interviewing all these writers. Mm-hmm. It was really SCTV that was a lot of these comedy geeks who yeah. went into comedy writing. That was their love. It wasn't SNL. It was SCTV.
0: Well, that's one of the hard things about it. Like I never really watched SNL much. I watched a lot of SCTV. The problem now is it, it's so hard to find it. Why uh, I, is that? Someone was telling me it has something to do with the rights of it. I think whoever owns the rights mm. to the show won't won't release it to streaming or something like that. So I think that like, you might be able to find some like DVD box sets of it, but outside that of that. That is such
1: a shame. I mean, that goes back to what we were saying with Peg Lynch. Things just work out in certain ways, and yeah. that is not fair to the brilliance of that show, hmm. that a whole new generation cannot grow up with that.
0: It's amazing. Like I used to watch it on uh, the Comedy Network up here when I was a kid. Like It was on TV all the time. And then outside of that, I just I haven't seen it anywhere. And like you try and find it and you can maybe find some clips, but that's about it.
1: Well, I want to have they released a version where there's no canned applause. Oh, I'm not too sure. I would like to see that version. I think it would be a better mm-hmm. show.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel like um that there's only been like the the box set. And then like, the that's what I mean, seasons. yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. of, uh, the dvd uh, originally
0: i mean it's one of those things that you hope eventually finds its way out there like we've had something like like kids in the hall has been able to like yeah. flourish the last few years but it's been accessible and it's been there and i mean they're well, exactly
1: the we have a whole generation who are writing and who are producing yeah. and executives who grew up with kids in the hall so that mm-hmm. makes sense mm-hmm. yeah
2: um, I want to go back to uh, the uh, the podcast here because you're starting a uh, a new season here. Um, it just started, I believe. This week was when the uh, hostage. That's right. Two days ago. Out. Wow. Oh, yeah. uh, so, um, what is uh, the evolution of the podcast? Where is it heading, and what's different from uh, before?
1: That's a good question. Uh, what well, I think I tried to take on too much before. I mean, some of these podcast episodes from a few years ago were an hour and a half, two hours, just too much. Yeah. Um, and I thought I want to do something shorter. That's maybe 20 minutes and do it whenever I feel like it, not not having to interview people weekly or produce something yeah. bi-weekly. I want it to be more free form. So it, this is more free form radio, pirate radio, more punk, I guess. And it'll consist of uh, short, a short comedic bit and, Uh, Found audio uh, that I recorded off of television and radio in Maryland and New Orleans in the '90s, and a lot of stuff that was pre-internet that uh, is not even available on internet. That sort of got passed around like bootlegs. (laughs) Excuse me. So that it'll just be that, it'll just be something to listen to as you do laundry. I mean, it's it's not something you're going to listen to going on a long trip, and hopefully, it'll just be. Uh, sort of a throwback to National Lampoon Radio Hour, uh, the type of records that I grew up listening to, or, or SCTV. I mean, that really is my favorite type of comedy, uh, the mm-hmm. character based comedy, uh, even if the characters are total creeps. I love that.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say that is it's very like college radio kind of sound, yes.
1: Well, I was involved with college radio, yeah. I, I worked at WTUL in New Orleans mm-hmm. for four years, and it's one of my fondest memories of college. In fact, I just saw a documentary that's coming out about college radio, which really intrigues me because a lot of interesting people in the 90s uh, or 80s before Nirvana hit were involved with alternative radio and uh, yeah. were sort of ahead of the game in that in that mm-hmm. sense. And a lot of them went into writing and directing and producing. And that was really my love uh, was to, to have these freeform radio shows in New Orleans. When I first started, it was overnight, uh, 11 to 2 a.m., wow. And then eventually 4 to 6 p.m. And it was just a freedom. And you, especially for someone who was shy like I was, you weren't looked at. You were behind the scenes. Yeah. It was just voice. And a lot can be done with that. And that's really my first love is, is voice.
0: I get a follow-up question to that. How, how do you feel something like uh, the internet? As kind, do you feel like it's kind of um, taken over that sort of uh that space, but in a much uh, wider sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I listen to shows from New Zealand. I mean, there's almost too much to listen to now. Yes. And it's certainly better than the music being played on on the radio. But it does take work. I mean, you really have to do your research. And I'm all about uh, listening. You know, I listen all day when I write and I I might watch an hour of TV a day at most, but I read uh, while listening to music and I write. So it's always about music. But the the things you can get now, I mean, we're speaking of Rush, there are sites that you can download bootlegs of any show um, and, you know, outtakes. It's Mm -hmm. just amazing. But the competition is fierce. I mean, this is what I am up against. This is what you are up against. There's a lot out there. And how do you compete with that? How do you rise above? It's, It's tough
2: yeah it, it's interesting like i mean we've been doing this podcast for we're going towards eight years at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. and i i think when we started it we were lucky to like take off then right because now yeah i feel yep. like it's a lot harder uh oh, yeah. for like
0: new podcasters well, now that especially these last few years yeah well yeah
2: like if you can go around and like uh Jason Bateman has a podcast or like Ron Burgundy has a pod like Will Ferrell right <laughs> like it's yeah it's insane now uh how many people have it so uh, like as a more independent I think that it's uh
1: it is insane. And that's one of the reasons I stopped it because it just got ridiculous. I mean, I yeah. felt like I opened up a restaurant in a mall and then it just became a food court <laughs> yeah. surrounded by hundreds of restaurants. It was just yeah. too much. It was too much competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can find your niche, but it is tough. And you're yeah. right. If, if you start. Um, and that's one of the reasons too, I was kind of lucky starting with McSweeney's when it first started uh, was that I got in kind of early and before it became a big thing. And when you do get in early, people sort of remember your work mm-hmm. and stick with you.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think like one of the things too, like we definitely stick with it, I think, for a little bit of a selfish reason, right? Like yeah. it, we get so many opportunities to work and talk with people who we might never have the opportunity to. So it, it's still a labor of love for us even after all these years. And I think that's, you know, in such a difficult uh, industry to get into, you kind of need that still.
1: Well, you do. And it helps you as a writer too. Mm-hmm. When you open yep. yourself up to other people yep. uh, from different backgrounds, uh, it can only improve your comedy and also your life. I mean, I think it's a very healthy thing to reach out to as many people as possible. I prefer that type of interview where you reach mm-hmm. out to others who come on the show rather than just two people bullshitting for eight years after a while. <laughs> I just find it a little tiring but that to me is the best type of podcast where you reach out and find try to learn about someone else
2: yeah yeah we we had a uh episode i think it was it was part way probably halfway during the pandemic where we had um well one of we had the guest host was uh one of our like canadian comedy heroes sean cullen Mm -hmm. and then the guest was adrian barbeau and i can't imagine that we would ever have. How great is them. that, though? And are yeah. you friendly
1: with them now? Yeah. 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 Isn't that great? I mean, that's the way it should work. Yeah. Y- you meet people whose work you respect and you form a community. That's that's the way it should be.
0: Well, even speaking of Sean Cullen, he was someone I watched on, you know, the Sean Cullen show. I watched like him on Just for last growing up. So being able to work with him and how many times that we've had him on and just, you know, it, it's it's still every time we do see him, I, I have this moment of just like, I can't believe I'm working with Sean right now. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's, it's surreal. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, he probably appreciates you guys. Right. I mean, he, I mean, he he this is why he got into comedy to do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to dive into a bit of a spookier note here. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, I love spooky. We got to ask you, do you believe in ghosts? I do. You do. Have yes. you ever
2: had a paranormal experience?
1: I have not. Uh, my wife has had a few. Oh. And what's interesting, I, I learned this from her, is that mm-hmm. uh, women, young girls, seem to have more experiences in sightings than boys. Um, And she... You know, when she was 13, 14, she would see uh, not every night, but she had a few sightings when one night she was sleeping over a friend's house and she woke up to find someone sitting on her bed Mm. and she screamed and put on her light and a friend came running um, and. I think there was a backstory. It could have been someone who lived there before or something, but I have never seen a ghost. I've always wanted to see a ghost. I always find them amusing more than scary. I mean, if the worst they can do is knock a hairbrush off of a counter, (laughs) like I'm I'm fine with that. I can do it. Yeah. I also want to know if there's life after death. I mean, both of my parents are gone Mm -hmm. and uh, my views on life after death have changed because, you know, I would love to see them again, and you know when you're a kid you you can be too dismissing. and at this point, I don't know if it's possible to ever know what's out there and but I just hope there is something yeah,
2: yeah it's it's definitely uh reassuring in a lot of ways and 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 I think um that the the little signs that you get and i don't I don't know if you've had any of those kind of like coincidences with um Uh, Like when you're thinking of someone and then you get a little like sign of them that's passed away. Well,
1: I don't, but a cousin of mine who's in Mm -hmm. touch with that does. And she swears that if she's thinking of my mother, her aunt or my father, her uncle, there'll be an animal that day who will come up and do something that's not necessarily uh, traditional for that animal Mm -hmm. to do. Whether it's a lizard hanging on a rear view mirror, whether it's a bird, not leaving a ledge so, I mean who who am I to say one way or another, you know. I, I hope it is the case.
2: Yeah. I I mean regardless it makes you feel better anyway. <laughs> like a, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. I don't want to be stuck between this world and the next though. I mean that that yeah. to me is a nightmare. But to know and also reincarnation is another thing that I've been looking into. There's a very famous case of a kid in the Midwest. I don't know if you've read about it, but he was uh obsessed with having been this character actor in hollywood have you heard of this no no it's just a kid and he had no access to the internet wouldn't have known about this character actor in the 1940s very very little known and he uh was coming across photos of hollywood and he pointed to the picture and started crying and said that was me in another life and he was such a um no one knew who this actor was. They had to go to a specialist in Hollywood. And this kid was also had remembrances of being a private eye and witnessing, uh, solving murders. Okay. And it turns out there's no way this kid would have known that when they, when they went to the relatives of this little known actor in Hollywood, the sister who was now in her eighties said that he used to work as a private eye and used to, you know, come across murders and do various mm-hmm. things. So I don't, you know, the, To me, uh, I hope that is the case. I hope we can do this again, you know, Um, but uh, it's, you know, the older I get, the more I want to believe it.
2: Yeah, I think um, I've kind of had uh, this uh, theory, which it will uh, sound like I'm talking out of my ass, Mm -hmm. which maybe I am. Um, But it's uh, that some languages resonate with you and are easier to learn. Oh,
1: I Bec- believe it. Yeah.
2: Because of uh, past lives. Mm. I uh, believe
1: it. And I believe that there, you know, George Harrison always said he felt he was from India because he when he heard that music, it made such a connection with him. Um, and I think that's true for for a lot of things. I mean, the South has always had a connection with me. Uh, I don't know why. And you do have to wonder if there's been past experiences with uh, something that just it's just lingers on into the next world.
2: Interesting. Well, I have a uh, ghost story that I uh, found online, so I know that it has to be good. It's got to be true
0: if it's on the Internet. That's the law. (laughs)
2: Um, But I want to uh, run this one by you. And um, it's entitled The Impish Ghost. Okay. So um, this was a, a Reddit story. Uh, My neighbor, Diane, and I had a playful poltergeist for years, and we called it Billy. Uh, I'd come home and find something put in a weird place. Milk in the cupboard, toilet paper in the fridge, laundry detergent in the bathtub. Diane once called to ask if Billy had been around because she couldn't find a gallon of milk. We finally found it outside on her back steps. And sugar. Darn sugar. Every morning, my sugar bowl was empty. Is that a metaphor? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I'd had enough, I would point to Diane's home and yell, go see Diane. Within five minutes, I'd get a call from her. Thanks a lot, she'd say. He'd gone and pulled shenanigans at her place. This occurred for the entire two years we lived there. No one believed us, not even our husbands. My mother thought someone was stealing from us when we were sleeping or out of the house, my sister believed something was going on, but didn't know what. I still can't explain any of it.
1: Hmm. Let me ask you something: Do you watch the ghost shows? Because my wife always watches it. I never watch it. Do you watch those shows?
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because those film when we were non union actors, mm-hmm. those all film here
0: in yeah, we did a lot of in Canada <laughs> the reenactment shows. We did a lot, so we've been in so many yeah. of those. Things. I used to watch a lot of that stuff when I was like in high school, but I I mean I'm. I'm a non-believer. I don't I don't believe in a lot of that stuff. So and I, I, I have a hard time with a lot of the, <laughs> those shows now. But uh, yeah, no, I, you, I haven't watched any recently, though. Has
1: a ghost ever been captured on video? I don't
2: think so. so well,
0: there's I, people I mean, who will claim they there's have. There's
2: debatable ones like there was yes. one during uh, the pandemic where. I I described basically for the month and they put cameras in right, the house this, that the yeah. Conjuring mm-hmm. movie was based on. Okay. And they, they put those cameras everywhere and basically had a team there 24-7 for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And there was a few things going on around it that were captured.
0: But... The cynic in me just feels like this is just a vir- viral marketing campaign. Like when I hear that, I think like, oh, is there a Conjuring movie coming out soon or in the next little while? <laughs> they're trying to re-peak the interest in this.
2: There, The third one was coming soon. It but- was
0: coming soon. Yeah. OK.
1: Well, well. And this is a real house that they were investigating? Yeah, yes. it was a
2: real house. Um, The first it was the first one. The first Conjuring is based off of the true story of that house. And uh, they did seances
0: during the the month um is is the conjuring the one with the uh the couple who are like investigating stuff or no yeah they're the ones who are revealed to like they are known frauds and uh like in real life but but the story of them being known frauds (laughs) yeah
2: is that families that were being affected by ghosts would get mad and kick them out
0: no i think there's like some like they were scamming people and there was like some really like there's a lot of stuff saying they weren't great people but anyway anyway there's some cases anyway this uh, is where we disagree yeah so
2: there's some things on and off but most of those ghost shows Mm -hmm. of like paranormal investigators and everything like that like you'll just basically like hear something or yeah so if the ones i saw anyways were pretty anticlimactic other than um, the one that was uh, celebrities where they took yeah. the celebrities back to where they were haunted.
1: I saw that. And um, one was um, <clears throat> the kid who Willie Ames from uh, uh, the, the sitcom with uh, Scott Bayo. I'm forgetting the name of it. But uh, I mean, when you when you hear them and when you see them talk about this, there is no doubt that they believe in ghosts yeah they're they're not
0: bsing here this is they truly believe it i think that you know as a skeptic i've never doubted that somebody believes like i've never doubted somebody's belief in 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 what they believe
1: but as as a skeptic what do you think they observed
0: uh, well i mean for me personally i think that there is so much about the human mind and the way that we form memories and the way that Uh, you know, we perceive reality, that there's so much of it that we don't necessarily understand. And there's so much of it that is, uh, uh, you know, subjective to the individual, Um, the way that we form memories, the way that we retell stories. And I I think that so much of it has a logical explanation within those parameters that um, I haven't seen anything that is both convincing, replicable, or truly observable without it being a secondhand account Mm, to to sway me one way or the other.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much not known about the brain.
0: Yeah. And for me, I mean, I personally find that just as as exciting and interesting. Yeah, I was
1: about to say that is as fascinating as anything. The Mysteries Mm. of the Cosmos.
0: Well, and this includes me
2: telling him my paranormal stories. Yeah, I don't believe him for a second. <laughs> well, for me he just have a completely. <laughs> How
1: many have you had?
2: Um, I've had uh three three that I can three that I can distinctly remember, but there was a lot from my childhood that my parents um experienced and said that
1: I was talking to uh whoa different. Wow! Yeah. So they they saw you talking to someone who wasn't there, and you thought yeah. someone was there. Wow! Yeah,
2: crazy. And, and my dad was a pretty big skeptic until like my teen years, and there was a couple experiences that he had in that house that completely changed him.
1: Did you do a history of the house? Um, I don't think we ever did. That Uh, would be interesting. If you connect your experiences with what happened there. Yeah. Worth looking into now.
2: Because one of the things is that my mom uh, went to a psychic back then and took that as like, that's what it is. You know, like these are the ghosts that are there and that's uh, what we're experiencing. But I don't know if that would necessarily be it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, That's think, fascinating. but you have no memory of talking to these ghosts
2: no no but my my mom uh w- i was constantly like saying like uh who's that man or like i was wow. uh, just talking to a, a ghost and like I, or the, the dog and i would still would be looking at the <laughs> same person you know mm-hmm. yeah um so it was a lot of that and then what ended up convincing my dad was these um just hard running up and down our stairs oh to the, wow. uh, to the second floor. And he, uh, he thought that one of us were, were home. He was home for lunch from work and uh, he was convinced that one of us were home, but no one was there. And it wasn't a bed on wheels. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to lock my bed wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um, But on that note, we got a story to tell. That's right. We oh. all drew
0: positions. Let's, let's, let's do this.
2: <laughs> uh, so, Mike, you got the swing. No responsibility in the story. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Damien, what do you got? I drew the celebrity.
2: For that, I go to a random celebrity de- generator. It's mm-hmm. going to give you four options. You have to appear as that celebrity at some point during the story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not stricken to that character. So you got Cristiano Ronaldo, okay, Nostradamus, uh, okay, yeah, Keith Richards, mm-hmm. and Abraham,
1: Abraham, yeah, all equal celebrities. Boy, <laughs> yeah. Abraham, the first Jew. <laughs> yep, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Is he a celebrity? He wasn't that well-known, was he? He wasn't as well-known as Jesus, was he? We know him. We know okay. him. all right, we know him. Uh, Apparently, he's as big of a celebrity as Keith Richards. That's true. Well, I guess he was the Probably Keith about Richards
0: as old. of his day. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> do you think he could uh, do a wicked guitar solo? Oh, no. They don't talk that guy... about that in the Bible, do they? Guitar solos. No, oh, not, no, not they even should've.
1: sitar solos. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, they had drums, the Little Drummer Boy, right? Like, yes, they did. Was yeah. that the first drum solo?
1: That's right. It was a 20-piece drum set in, yeah. yeah? to appease what? Christ.
0: Neil Part was inspired by the little drummer boy. Yeah,
2: didn't the little drummer boy also have uh, washing machine time machines behind him going the whole time? Well, yeah, he did.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he ever lit his drumsticks on fire though. Yeah, uh-huh. but you know, you never know. You never. Yeah, know. what was up with those washing machine? How did that happen? What... I don't. I don't know. Was it was that for a particular tour? Because I yeah, I... I was. Um, I forget the tour, but I, I was always bewildered. I thought
1: that might have been a Canadian thing, washing.
2: No, that was that was the year that I saw them open for San. Well, Canada. that's why open they opened. Okay. Yeah. They, <laughs> interesting. Oh. They had the washing machine. They're down. Yes, I remember luck. they also uh, like had uh, Jason Segel and Paul Rudd doing sketches in yeah. between.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know they're both huge fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I went, I went on the R30 tour and then I did the R40 tour, and I've because they kind of did a mix for the thirty tour, and then on the forty tour they did like uh they started with today and then they went back in time basically like playing songs from there and then it ended up like they kept changing the set throughout so they would have the washing machines they would have the stuff so they would do stuff like they had three sets the first set was like today to like mid-2000s and then it was like 2000s and like 80s and then the last one it like stripped down it was like a high school gymnasium oh and so they did cool. like working yeah. man and stuff like that so, oh i love it yeah. i don't know i gotta look into those washing machines though i never never figured out what that's you for didn't question it i didn't question it i didn't care man it was great who cares <laughs> yeah yeah and then at the end the roadie came out he took his uh his freshly clean shirt out of it and put it on and let, just walked away
2: we, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't question the washing machine. Mainly, I was questioning why we all had to sit <laughs> down for Santana. To- oh, that's <laughs> true. Uh,
0: I guess I should probably go. Uh, let's let's go. Uh, let's go Nostradamus. Nostradamus, that's that's a fun one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no funner, no, no funner than Nostradamus. All right, let's do it. And Cody, that means you drew the narrator. And for that, we're going to go to canigeta.com for a location, a relationship, or a word. In order to get this started, so what would you like today?
2: Um, let's do a location.
0: Location, a storage locker.
2: Okay. So
0: spooky storage locker with Nostradamus.
2: Nostradamus. All right. All
0: right. This episode of Spooked is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/spooked. S p o o k e d. To get ten percent off your first month, that's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash Spooked. Yeez, love is in the air. That's Valentine's
2: right. Day is Va- coming up. Valentine's Day coming up, and it's okay if you don't have a sweetheart this year. Mm-hmm. Have no fear. I know that that weighs on a lot of people, whether they have a Valentine, don't have that's a Valentine. Right. And online and everything, so you don't have to have that awkward thing of, like, in person and then they're just wondering whether you're, they're gonna see you again in person and it's more of a connection. No! Do online. Do
0: BetterHelp. That's right. So, don't forget, go to BetterHelp.com slash spooked to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spooked. Today.
2: It was a dark, chilly evening. Everybody was so cold waiting outside the storage units, just waiting for that gate to open so they could get the next bid in for the empty storage locker. This was going to be an all-out war. People had their wallets ready,
0: but Kevin, well, he might have had just about more money than anybody. Oh man, these suckers ain't got nothing on me. I got a cool $45 to bid on this locker. I bet nobody's got more than that here. I can guarantee looking at that guy over there. What's he wearing? A, a little like a, a used blazer? $4 max. Suddenly, I... lightning strikes
2: and hits directly on his money, burning it all.
0: By $45! my $45? What am I going to do? If I don't have that $45, I can't bid on the storage locker. I can't get anything in it. Why am I even here anymore? Oh, jeez, man. I really hope that something unexpected and true happens to me so I can get into this auction and actually get something.
2: He starts shaking on everybody's jacket. You guys asking, gotta help
0: me! You guys gotta help me! My dad's gonna be so mad at me if I don't get anything from these storage lockers!
2: Until he reaches one giant man in a cool black fedora Oh
0: pardon me no, uh pardon me sir uh couldn't help but notice that you're a tall towering gentleman very cool and a very very cool fedora listen um
1: it's rented but go on
0: even better listen um i was here to bid on the storage locker and my dad is counting on it he's got uh terminal uh knee cancer right now and oh, if he doesn't get the, the surgery story. he needs then well, I, I don't know what he's gonna do he'll never play soccer again anyway um Divine intervention came down and lightning bolted the money out of my hands. Um, so if if you, if you could just like you know bid on a on a storage locker for me, and I'll pay you back as soon as I can.
1: Do you accept Bitcoin?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we're in all of it: Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, anything, NFTs. You know, are those still good? Are those still good?
2: Uh no NFT sorry I'm I'm the one running I'm about to open the gate
0: don't worry you don't you don't uh, take you don't take any what about this I got a really good deal on this this board ape thing listen it's not worth anything I said no NFTs okay? I, I spent good money on this you mean it's no it's worthless <laughs> <laughs> another man the Bitcoin's fine but bullshit I don't okay Bitcoin's fine Bitcoin is fine thank you so 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 much I really appreciate this I you won't regret it. Have you ever seen a very large man nude? Ah, uh, oh yes, my dad. He is a very large man, and he's very nude a lot. Um, with the knee thing, I have to give him lots and lots of baths.
1: Can I show you something?
0: Yeah, sure. Is this infected? Hmm, I think it might be. Is that why you wear that big coat so you can That's hide? That's why that? I'm
1: talking to you. Do you have any Neosporin on mm. you?
0: Oh, You know what? I, I actually do.
1: I thought you might.
0: Yeah, you did?
1: How about a Q-tip? Can you apply it?
0: Yeah, of of course. It's a little unorthodox, but, you know, anything for a little Bitcoin. Okay, here here we go. Uh, Oh, Jesus. It's quite gangrenous. I don't know if this is a good idea. You might want to go to the... Oh, OK. You know what? The more I'm applying this, the the, the more fun I'm having.
1: <laughs> I can't smell it. it. doesn't smell of anything.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Uh, it smells like uh, peach schnapps and uh, ooh, ooh, it's a little tangy. OK. Have uh, mm. uh, you ever, you ever uh, had, uh, uh, you know, corned beef in the fridge too long?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Uh, it's It's got a bit of that. It's got a bit of that kind of like brine scent. But, you know, it's just a little off.
1: Do you take me for being Jewish?
0: Mm. Uh, I I didn't think about it. I mean, you are naked. I I noticed you were circumcised. I I figured you could have been. That was an accident. I am not Jewish. Uh, Okay. Oh, well. uh... (laughs) Can I talk
1: to you about Scientology?
0: Of course. Of course. For Bitcoin, I will listen to Scientology. What do you know about auditing? Mm. Nude. N- nude, audit. <laughs> nude auditing. Well, one time I did get audited by the IRS. Uh, they took everything away from me. And that's why we're in this situation with my dad. Outside of that, um, th- the guy was wearing clothes, though, unfortunately. So nude auditing, I, uh, it's new to me, but I'm willing to learn. Are you willing to learn to go up the ladder? Mm, Well, I did have to get some stuff off the roof once. uh, My Frisbee, uh, my old Koosh ball. And uh, (laughs) you're not going to believe this. The neighbor's cat got stuck up there once. So I had to climb up. Um, Is that what you mean? I'm talking about you giving me money so you may climb up the
1: uh, xenophobe uh, ladder. That's a xenophobe is the name of the God in Scientology. Oh.
0: Oh, wow. You know, I never thought about you know, advancing my career and becoming a, a, a top level xenophobe. It's I funny, would...
1: when I came to the storage facility today, I did not imagine pulling down my pants and talking about
0: Scientology. Hmm. I, I didn't either, to be honest. I didn't think you were going to do that when I saw you standing over there looking all cool and, you know, calm and collected. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that we had these conversations. Uh, do, do you want to, like, go over there and we can we can sit down and maybe you could show me how to audit? i would love that and i would love
1: for you to sniff something that i cannot quite reach uh-huh.
0: all right everybody pants up
2: trench coats on. on But we, i'm we... about to open up the storage locker but
0: we're just about to learn about scientology and, and auditing we, you... hey you don't have to bid if you don't want but all of these Jeez, people are and listen can, i i really need this storage locker. Can, can we just do this bid and then maybe we can come right back to the auditing would that be okay that's fine with me how much do you need again Oh, oh, uh, I, I well, I had not $45, but I might need more than $45. So let's see. Maybe I could ask him for $55. You think that would be too much to ask? Would, would $55 be OK?
1: OK, I have four dollars and Hanukkah guilt.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? Cool. I mean, I thought we were dealing in Bitcoin, but, you know, four dollars. Hanukkah. Yeah. You said you weren't Jewish, but uh, you whatever dabble? you need, whatever is in there. I want half of it. That's all I ask. Oh, okay, do you get to pick the half, or do I pick the half, or are we just split just split it down the middle? Let's split see what's down. in there. Let's see what's in there. All right, let's do it. I got one
2: dollar over here, two dollars over here, three fifty, okay. three fifty, oh, four dollars, four dollars, four dollars. Oh, we got four dollars over here. Oh, that's a match. Nope, more than four dollars. No. Okay, well, sold for four
0: dollars. You mean we got the locker? Yeah, you got it. We got the locker. Now let me crack it open. Well, and we we can got see the locker. Let's open it. up. Let's see what's inside.
2: He opens it up. It's one telescope with a spotlight on it.
0: A telescope. That's right. At a spotlight, I assume.
2: Uh, The spotlight I put in there to really emphasize that there's only one thing in here. Okay. I didn't want anyone looking around and trying to dig at
0: the walls. So I spent $4 for a well-lit telescope. Hey,
2: this telescope isn't not only just a regular telescope. You see that this telescope, (laughs) this one belonged to none other than Nostradamus.
0: Nostradamus? Mm Mm-hmm. You know
2: Nostradamus.
0: Nostradamus, the guy who owns the clothing store.
2: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Amateur stargazer and clothing store owner. You know, I stole these slacks
0: from uh, Nostradamus Rack, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was... (laughs) Walking through the mall one day, you know, eating a giant pretzel, and I, you know, I got some mustard on my old pants. So I just switched them on the hanger.
2: Hell of a guy that knows, Nostradamus. He <laughs> replaces a lot of mustard stained pants. Does he? Oh, yeah. He refurbishes them. Whoa.
0: Good for him. Mm-hmm. As
2: soon as you got a mustard stain on there, he cuts off the front or back if you sat on mustard Whoa. and then uh, tapes it together with a new pair of pants. Okay. Okay like i said
0: that's this was his telescope then this was his as you know he did pass away a couple of days ago all right goodness i'm so sorry to hear that Mm -hmm. is that why this locker was open Uh, yeah Ah, yeah makes sense all right well let's uh let's go have a closer look at this telescope then oh wow it's got the front and a back a little big wide thing at the top and a little teeny tiny one at the bottom there It's on this little stand. It's nice and shiny. So shiny is good. That could be worth a few things. Uh, Well, the
2: the two of you, too, now that this is your storage locker, feel free to uh, put the pants back down and uh, take the trench coats off if you want. Oh, well, I just I thought I should specify that this.
0: Did well you... well maybe i could get a closer look at that uh that weird i was wound. gonna
1: ask if you could reverse that and take a nice close-up look at that
0: yeah reverse it okay well like a microscope i guess <laughs> all right let's get in there let's take a look and oh wait a minute what is in there it looks to be oh no oh my god <laughs> it's
1: a letter it is a letter and I w- it was written
0: for you pull it out please okay okay now it says uh Dear Mike, this is your father speaking from the future. I've been in contact with Nostradamus. What the hell? Uh, Nostradamus and I have decided to put you through this series of tests with our friend, the big, tall, naked man. Is that you? Yes, me. That's me, the tall, man, naked man with a
1: separating sore that stinks.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow. You, you don't have a name, do you? Or are you just the big, tall, naked man? Big, tall, naked man. Okay. We've decided to put you through a series of tests with the big tall naked man aforementioned. <laughs> right. Okay. Go to the storage locker, ford things down, and sneak in there right after the end of the bid, and there you will find the next clue. Next clue. Hang on. I have another letter for you.
1: Let me just bend over it like that.
0: All yours, brother. <laughs> All right. This one, uh this one's a little stinkier but a little less tangy so i appreciate that i appreciate the um the variety okay let's see uh, dear mike uh don't forget to tip the big tall naked man oh, god damn it
1: ah. all right i'm going to bend over one more time yeah. i'm going to
0: ask you to pull out the coin okay when <laughs> it is... arrives so my father stuck a coin up up your butt. For me to tip you with,
1: exactly, and I to... and there we
0: go. That's a move. Go. Wow. Okay. Mm. Mm. Very warm. But uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, here's your
1: Susan B. Anthony.
0: Your tip, the uh, Susan B. Anthony. Oh my goodness. And with
1: that, I shall now put on my clothing. Mm-hmm. Take my tip.
0: Well, thank you for all your help. Um. I guess, which part of the telescope would you like?
1: I want the uh, the end half,
0: the uh, circumcised half. Okay, and I will take the uncircumcised tip, I guess.
2: All right, I just completed about 40 auctions over there. I'm going to close up. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, what, want... what
0: about this one over here? Did anyone bid on this one?
2: Oh, that one there? Yeah. Well... That one's mine, but
0: well, listen. I've got half a telescope, the uncircumcised part. Would you, would you take it for this unopened locker? Hmm. Half it a used telescope used to belong to Nostradamus.
2: Oh, my old friend from the clothing store. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I didn't get anything sentimental from him when he passed away. So, really?
0: and you guys were close.
2: Not that close. All right. Just take the storage locker and give me that.
0: All right, here we go. Let's crack this bad boy open.
2: And there it opens up. More stuff than a spotlight could cover.
1: Oh,
2: it's so full. Was there
0: something you were hoping for in particular with my storage Uh, locker? Well, maybe something to help cure my dad's uh, terminal knee cancer.
1: I'm going to bend over and I got something for you right here.
0: Whoa. And oh there we God. go, almost it's a... out. Oh, okay. Not it's... oh well. yet. It just keeps
1: coming. Long mm. tube and done. Not yet. Down okay. now. Go take and done.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, no tip this time. I'm guessing. Just neosporin. Okay. Okay. We'll apply that for you. Uh, let's. Open this up, see what's inside Why, me. Well, it's blueprints for a bionic knee. Just what my dad needs. Get rid of the old one, get rid of all the, the growth there, and we put in a bionic knee. He'll be a robot.
2: I do have a question. Yes. Why did I need to sell you my storage locker if what you needed was in his butt the entire
0: time? Well, I didn't know that. I needed the power of buying your storage locker to find that out. It triggered him... To shit it out of his ass.
2: Yeah, you're just big dogging me.
0: I was, made I didn't you, know.
2: Made you feel more powerful than me, huh? Made me feel small. That's what you wanted.
0: Well, why would,
1: would... Thomas not have known? Yeah, why wouldn't he have known? Well, I mean... uh oh, here comes the answer, guys. And bending <laughs> over, so and out it goes full.
0: Hey you guys, how you doing? It's me Nostradamus. I'm not dead after all. I was up in that guy's butt. (laughs) Listen, I spent a long time in that guy's butt coming up with all kinds of crazy ideas and predictions for you. I'm like, look, if I pretend to be dead, maybe people buy more pants. Not happening, but that's okay. You got predictions, you say? Yeah, I got predictions. For you, you know what's going to happen? What? You're going to go home, you're going to order a pizza, and you're going to cry in the bathtub. (laughs) That's my prediction for you for tonight. You know why? Because you never called me on my birthday. You never called me on Easter. You never called me anytime. You wanted to be friends? Not friends with me. Uh, you're embarrassing me. I said that we were And you, Mike. Listen, your father, you're going to be OK. We got the blueprints. I found them for you. My prediction for you, my prediction is, listen, you're going to get a pizza. You're going to sit in the bathtub and you're going to cry. But it's going to be a happy cry. Oh, well, that sounds pretty good.
2: Happy cry. And I feel like uh, I don't feel as bad eating a whole pizza in the bathtub (laughs) if
0: this guy's doing it, too. No, this is just one of them personal pants. Yours a party tray. (laughs) Oh, and you big tall guy. My prediction for you, you're going to get a pizza. You're going to be in the bathtub and you're going to be crying. Both happy and sad because you're sad because it's all over this thing. But happy because you got a Susan B. Anthony. That's my prediction. And I got toppings if you need them. Oh, I do we need toppings? What do you like on your pizza? Pepperoni. You got a pepperoni? what do you uh, like on your pizza? Bend over, stretch, pull, and salami chub out, now, pull. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. That's a pizza pie if ever I've seen one. Wow. I think everything just kind of worked out. But you got a prediction for his dad? Hey, your dad, the prediction I got is that he's finally going to be in love with his son in a paternal way. (laughs) He didn't love you before, but now you've done this, he's going to love you so much. Give you a big smooch on the lips. (laughs)
2: Thank God it's a paternal way.
0: Yeah, in a paternal way. What did you think, you pervert?
2: (laughs) Hey, don't come at me. I'm already going to cry in my bathtub tonight.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to make sure you cry real hard, that's for sure. Make my predictions come true. People buy, go down to my store. They're going to get something off the rack. You know, something good.
1: Do you guys want something off the rack? Let yeah, me just we- bend, creak, go,
0: and pull. That's true. $45 <laughs> oh, but right now.
2: For in the butt pants?
0: That's right. a oh. no deal for you. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Here's your commission, my friend. Thank you very much.
2: I'm just happy to do uh, that you're still alive, friend. Friend. I don't know, and now that I have a second chance
0: uh, at you. A second chance at me? In, a paternal, tra- in a paternal way. In a paternal way. Fuck me or something? Oh, in a paternal in way. Okay. Paternal way. Okay. You know what? I, it's fine. Okay. You can, you know what? I'll wish you a happy birthday every year. If, if after you cry, you go home, you think about it, you call me. Things might work out. I'll call you. Okay.
2: I'll be waiting. And there, everyone started to part ways, all going to different pizza shops to get their pizzas to bring back to their bathtub. And Nostradamus, well, now that his shop is back in business, well, he's doing that full time and business is booming. And Tall Guy, well, he brought the supply. Constantly dropping out of his butt new
0: (laughs) apparel. Big naked guy. We need some new shoes right now in the department store. Can you get me a couple of pairs real quick?
1: No, but I can give you an ending. And let me just drop, grab, pull, squeak, go and pull spooked.
2: That was a scary story. Oh, God,
0: was that scary? Goodness. (laughs) Holy Toledo! I never really watched Storage Wars, but I feel like if that's what it's about, I might really like it.
2: Yeah, no, that is exactly
1: how it goes in
0: that yeah. show. You've watched
1: Did... it a lot. Where was Keith Richards in that? Was he there?
0: <laughs> well, I think he he was hiding behind all the stuff in the other storage locker. <laughs> oh, library. okay. I yeah. thought I saw him back there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There was all kinds. uh All of those celebrities were in a box. If you open the wrong
0: that's one, true. they're going to yeah. The right box.
1: Anything can happen. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. abraham ronaldo (laughs) ronaldo yeah Yeah.
1: i love the fact that nostradamus sounded like a hussy jew
0: (laughs) (laughs) he just uh he was just living the way he felt he had to and uh if uh if that's a problem i'm sorry
1: (laughs) it's not a problem i I would just like to know if nostradamus predicted trump
0: Mm. Mm. he might have I know there's people who say he predicted Hitler, I think. So. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Maybe I need to read a history book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you do need to read a history book. Well, uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Let's do a round of plugs. Where can everyone uh, mm-hmm. uh, follow you?
1: Uh, let me just bend. Up. No, um, <laughs> you can follow me. Mike dot com uh, doing it with Mike Sacks podcast. And three books out next week that are reissues. Randy, Stinker, Let's and Welcome to Woodmont, the college catalog.
2: Amazing. And oh, we'll be oh. tweeting all of that out as well as posting on Instagram at Spook Podcast, as well as go to the sonar dot com. You can see this uh, podcast as well as doing it with Mike Sachs and a full profile on Mike with direct links to all of those social medias and all of the episodes that he's done and been a guest on and spooked spooked
1: that was fun spooked spooked this podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network (laughs) sonar